Thanks, Ron. So, Job, Job 38. The Lord speaks. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me, if you understand. Who marked off his dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed the limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you, shall, you may come and no further? Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning? Or shown the dawn its place? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recessions of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths of their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouse of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which are reserved for the times of trouble, for the days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed? or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts the channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water the land where there no one lives, an uninhabited desert, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you, here we are? 
who gives the ibis wisdom or gives the rooster understanding? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Do you hunt the prey for the lioness or satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Wow, that was a very humbling reading as we remember who God is. And the, the reality is I'm here to declare that God is good. God is good all the time. God still speaks to us today. God is not finished with you. He hasn't finished with me. God speaks. And I want to inform the, uh, sorry, affirm the importance of listening. We're to listen to God. And when God speaks to us, we're to take heed. We're to follow what he says and his leading. Because that's exactly what Beck and I have been struggling with. I guess we were heading in a certain direction. It's uh, pastoring at an established church here in Coral and putting our heart and, and efforts into that. And then all of a sudden, we've had something different pop up. And now we're going to something very open-ended. Uh, it, it's a new calling. It's a new ministry. Uh, and it's a ministry where we believe the Lord's going to establish us in Cairns. And so it's quite a different concept. And you might say, well, why would anyone even consider doing that? Well, 18 months ago, I had a whisper from the Lord. We were on family holidays up in Cairns. And I heard the Lord whisper into my spirit. He said, you are going to live in Cairns. And I had no idea what that meant. What does that mean? I sort of deep down, I thought, oh, it's got something to do with my family. But I thought, well, maybe it's retirement. You know, it's a nice, nice area. What could it be? And ever since that time, 18 months ago, I have had a warm spot in my heart towards Cairns. Didn't really understand what it would all mean. I knew I had ministry back in, in Corowa to come back to, and back I came. Um, and then November last year, there were two or three times, I think about three times that Noah and I, we, we prayed like we'd never prayed together before. We were seeking the Lord and we were saying sorry to th about things that were on our hearts. We were asking about his will and calling. I remember one afternoon, I think we prayed for about five or six hours straight and neither of us wanted to leave. It was a special time. But one of those prayer times, God gave me two pictures. I don't get pictures all the time, but this day I got two pictures from the Lord's. The first one was I was standing outside the Tobruk Memorial Swimming Pool. There was nothing sort of happening, it was just a picture. The second one was darkness. And there was light, and it was the person coming towards me in light. Well, all of that hit, hit me, and, and I started to reflect. And that was all around the times where I hit my lowest point. And many have, have heard reports or, or seen me broken. 
but we knew God was at work. We shared with our children that God was at work and just maybe he was giving us a new calling to Cairns. The following night, Esther had two dreams. Dreams of a a tropical scene in, in Cairns or in a tropical beach. And the words came up, move to Cairns. Oh, it's just a child, is it? What do we know? Does God speak through children? I believe so. And then Beck had her own picture. She was doing um, caring and, and looking after children, ministry in a form. And then she turned around and saw a tropical beach behind, behind her. And we thought, well, just maybe God's giving us a bit of a message that we should take here too. Just maybe we should consider something ministry in Cairns. And then I had my Jonah moment, I'll admit it. Long service leave came about and I'm very thankful for a day that Leon came around and said, have you considered this? And I wasn't on my radar at all, but we went uh, and, and the doors opened us for us to have some long service leave. I took the practical solution, which was to go to the South Coast. It was easier for us to get there. My parents have a holiday home. We thought, oh, we'll just go there. Um, even though Beck said a couple of times, why don't we go up to Cairns? You know, we've had a few promptings. Oh, no, it'll be cheaper, easier. Everything will just be a breeze. We just had a baby. We'll just take the easy option. And maybe at the end of our holidays, we might consider flying up there for a night or two. That was the plans. And, of course, you know what happened when we went down to the south coast. Or many of you did. While we had a good time of, of resting for a week and a half... We then went through the, the inferno of the fire that came through. And then afterwards, Beck said, oh, I, I think we should go to Cairns. And I said, oh, look, we'll just go back to Canberra for a couple of nights. We'll be right. Uh, and then we'll come back and we'll keep praying down the coast. Well, once we got to Canberra and it was thick of smoke, after a few days, including meeting up with um, a spiritual father, I would call him, Lynn Tho, he's a pastor or a retired pastor in Canberra. After sharing what was on my heart, I finally said, Beck, I think you're right. We should go to Cairns. And everything just started to fall into place. One phone call to some Christian accommodation treetops up there. Yes, we can have you for the whole time that you're after. Even though it's going to be tight, we can house you. Um, And everything else just started to come into motion. And so I think my Jonah moment passed and we're on our way. So I'm just going to ask Beck to share a little bit on Proverbs 3 now. Let's share a part about the Lord. And he will make your path straight. And 
A lot of you know me and the more children I've had, the more I like to know if I'm going left or right. There's chaos with kids and I like my ducks in a row. And so it's nice to have a path straight and to know where you're going. But over the last few months, <laughs> oh, there's been, um, you know, curves around each corner and I've struggled with that. I've struggled with not knowing where we're going, not knowing what's coming next, not knowing what's, what, what's God doing in the heart of my husband. You know, it's really unsettling. And I've really learnt just to cling on and to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding because you can't. You can't, our minds can't fathom. We don't know what God's doing in that minute but we can trust in him and just hold on. And one thing I've been talking to people about is I feel like we're just taking big faith steps. It's just, I don't know what's three steps down, but I know what this next step is. And at times I found it overwhelming and scary, but it's been a big faith step where I just trust in the Lord and take that step forward. And I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what's happening, you know. But as I go along the path with him and take a big faith step followed by another big faith step, then I turn around and I can see where he's going. I can see what he was doing in those fires. They were terrifying. The most terrifying thing I've ever experienced, but my kid clung to Jesus. My kids stood there praying, you know. I probably wouldn't have been quite so willing to leave our family here in Corowa and go up to Cairns if I hadn't have learned just to hold on to him and being able to see the way that he would care for us. So that's my little verse. <laughs> now we all know that God's word is powerful and a, uh, a verse that the Lord put into my heart uh, as we were all, um, weeks before any of this started, the Lord spoke into my heart, 2 Samuel 24, 24. Um, and David had just sinned in this situation. He went and counted his armies, his resources. He said, I'm going to count all my fighting men to see how big my army is, which is a very proud thing, and it's a, showing a lack of a trust in God's. But the verse that the Lord put in my heart was to do with David's response. So 2 Samuel 24, 24. But the king replied to Aranoah, No, I insist on paying you for it. And here's the key bit. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost, that cost me nothing. Or you may know it as, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. So that was in my thinking as I was uh, going along. God's word was, was stirring inside me. What does it mean to give up on things? What does the Lord want me to give up? Well, I think there are a couple of things that have been quite costly that the Lord's been working on. And I just encourage you that one day the Lord will knock on your shoulder or tap you on the shoulder and say, it's time to deal with this now. That's been simmering away for a while and we're going to deal with that. Well, the first one for me, probably the greatest that's hurt me the most is, is my identity as, as Pastor David here at Cairo Baptist Church. Measuring success in my output and whether people thought I was doing well. And so to, to, to have that broken down and, and to have 
uh, questions raised about whether you were doing a good job, about whether your output was sufficient, whether you were right for this, it hurt. But that brought me closer to the Lord. It helped me to realise that it was about him and what he wanted. And so a costly thing was for me to surrender that role and to say, well, Lord, I'm willing to give up if it's going to be the right thing for you. The second area is financial. We've had a bit of a financial nest egg sitting there, a sum of money. It's just been sitting there, not sure what to do with it, bit of a safety net. But without a doubt, the Lord said it's time to deal with that. It's time to, to put it to use. And so part of what comes about as we get to Cairns is us doing that. And so I guess I'm just sharing here around this verse that the God can speak scriptures into our lives and he can start to deal with things. And sometimes he wants us to let go and to trust him. After all, what can we really take to heaven? What can we truly take with us? We enter the world with nothing and we leave the world with nothing. I want to affirm that God is always enough. I don't need a financial backing behind me. I don't need my um, career title. I was growing up in, 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 this, in the culture where it's career, career, career. If you have a career, then everything is okay. You can put it on the front that you've made it because you've got your career. My identity is in the Lord. Well, I hope it's even more in the Lord now. It's not so much about having a title on your career. Or I'll tell you what, I've had so many awkward conversations with people now. What paid job are you going to up in Cairns? And it's very hard to turn around and say, oh, God's going to provide. It's an awkward conversation. What are you supposed to say? I guess at times I need a bit of wisdom in that front. But God is good. And that takes us to our Bible reading. Job 38. And it continues in 39. I read the book of Job while I was uh, away down the south coast. And it got me thinking, what is all this about? But I think it just speaks perfectly into my own situation. God was preparing me to say that he is God, he is sovereign, and he has his own plans. We may think that this way is better or that way is better, but he's got what's best in line for us. Job is led to, to strong repentance. If you turn uh, along with me to uh, over a few, few verses... In, in Job 40, actually, um, it, it says this. The Lord says to Job, this is verses 1, 2 to 4. Will, you, will, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice. But I will say no more. He was in a spot of recognising who God is and that God's plans are so much greater than our plans. And so his correct response finally, rather than listening to his friends and whinging about God and uh, what God was doing. Job's sin wasn't actually that he is injustice, that he was doing the wrong thing. Job's sin was that he stopped trusting God when he was having a tough season. God is always there through every season. 
And Job kept trusting. And I feel that as I've had a bit of a tough season, God has been there. He's been there to, to encourage and to build up. God never leaves us alone. He is always there. And if we have a tough season, it's God's shaping us and remoulding us into the person that he wants us to be for what is next. I encourage you to look through Job. And I hope that you are humbled as we read a big chunk of it. God is God. He is powerful. He is wise. Who are we to think that we could even start to understand the depth of God's wisdom? Thankfully, we've been revealed so much in Jesus, but we still don't know God. And so I'll ask Beck now. She had another verse to share. A life verse for her, I believe. One of my favourite verses in the Bible is, Be still and know that I am God. <laughs> and a, another translation can be, Let go and know that I am God. And, and I love that verse. And I love that when we are struggling or when we are experiencing something that is really hard to go through, it's not us, it's not in our hands to fix that. It's, it's nothing we can do, it, it's God. And he's saying, be still, let go, hand that to me and know that I'm God and trust me. So in that moment, trust me. And he's not saying, you know, sit down in your comfy recliner and put your blinders on and, you know, be still like that. No, no, you know, he still wants you to be praying, to be reading his word, to, be really invested in him relationally, but let go of the concern of the worries, of the anxiety, of trying to work out what's next or what are we doing, because he's God. We're not God. He's got to work there. So just be still. Okay, a bit more information about Cairns. There's a few doors that have opened up. And uh, I guess a, a relevant scripture for me is 2 Corinthians 2.12. The idea of, of doors opening. There's a, a few Bible verses in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 2.12. This is Paul speaking. Now, when I went to, to Traos to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, uh, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. But the picture here is one of God opening and closing doors. And one that I hope that you can relate to in following the Lord. That sometimes you just know what's on your heart and that it's the right thing to do. Well, I mentioned before that one phone call and, and we had some accommodation up in, in Cairns. Well, another thing for us was having, um, I guess, a Christian support. And the Lord uh, led us, previously we were on holidays to meet some people at Generations Church, which is uh, an AOG or an ACC church up that way. And as we uh, went to church, as I met with the senior pastor, we were blessed with people praying for us, caring about us, wanting the best for us, a very welcoming community. And offered uh, that they would love for us to, to come and to be a part of who they were and to serve. And uh, particularly a powerful uh, sharing when I met with the, the lead pastor there, who, who was close to retirement age, he was a very experienced minister. He said his experience that the whisper will turn into a shout. That if you feel you've heard something from the Lord, he will make it clear to you what's to happen. 
Another open door for us is in regards to a family home. We were thinking, what would it mean for us to to live up in Cairns? What would we do for accommodation? I guess we knew we had a bit of a safety net of some money, and what would it mean for us to, to use that? Well, we decided to look at a couple of family homes on our open houses on a Saturday. First house was down the southern side of Cairns, but the second one on the northern side of Cairns. We went and looked at this family home and we sensed an incredible peace on this home. We went inside and I looked in the, the bedroom and next to the bed was the same Christian devotional book that we were doing called Jesus Calling that Beck and I had been working through. Next to the other side of the bed was a Bible. As we went through and looked through, um, we just get the sense that maybe this could just be. We could do this. And so we went away and prayed about it for a few days and looked at our finances. And if we stretched to the last few hundred dollars, we'd be able to put a reasonable offer into this property. And so then we decided we would do it after much prayer and considering. We put an offer in when we went to the Tobruk Memorial swimming pool for a swim one day. And as we were swimming, we got a few messages from the agent and the offer was accepted. That night was a night of prayer. Beck and I thinking, what have we done? What have we actually done? Are we actually going to put every single dollar on the line here? What's going to happen? And the next morning, I got up at 5.30 for a prayer walk. Are we really going to sign this contract? Is this really happening, Lord? Have you, are you really opening up this door? And so we went and we prayed, Lord, if there's anything that's not of you, just take this away. But everything just happened so smoothly that day. The following day, we met the owner. We went and knocked on the door and met the lady owner of the home. Wonderful lady. Very encouraging visit. They were excited to think that a ministry family was, was interested in the home or be buying this home. We started to worry about finances after that. Particularly Beck got a few moments where uh, she said, what are we going to do? Well, one night, uh, we checked the account and there was an extra $1,000 in the account or just over from transporting our children to school. We'd forgotten all about that payment. And then as we were driving out of our Christian accommodation at Treetops, there was an envelope on our windscreen. Opened it up, over $1,000 in cash on our windscreen. And we just thought, Lord, you know exactly what we need and you provide it in the most unexpected ways. The Lord was speaking to us that that all that would fall into line. God is good. Another sign for us was new connections. You might say, okay, well, there's there's a bit of a house and you've met some Christians, but what are you going to be doing? Well, while we're up there, after this had happened, we went to the swimming pool in Cairns, the uh, the large public pool, and it's called the lagoon, I think. Uh, Someone could probably correct me. There's a large public pool in the very centre of the Cairns city. Um, and we went there and uh, we went for a swim. I was with the younger children, keeping an eye on them. Beck got talking. Well, actually, I believe a young Aboriginal girl started to come and hug her leg. Um, and uh, Beck started talking to this lady, Aboriginal lady. She'd recently come to faith. The whole Aboriginal community had come to faith. Um, Beck was able to share some encouraging things with her. Um, got her contact details. Um, there's a follow-up there for us. There was another lady uh, who overheard that conversation or a couple, a Christian couple who just felt the call of God to move up to Cairns from Melbourne, um, I believe, or Sydney. 
Uh, Big Mike corrects me. I keep getting this. Melbourne, yes. Uh, and they uh, were, t- were really keen to catch up with us and, and for some, some ministry, to some, something to take place, a catch-up at least. We went to a furniture store after all this, probably on our second last day in Cairns, just to start looking around. It became evident it wasn't about the furniture because I got talking to a, a salesman there and the conversation turned around pretty quickly about faith. And uh, he is going to be in the exact same suburb, or he lives in the same suburb where our house is, in Caravonica. And he used to have some Christian discipling from someone. And he's very keen for me to message him when we get up and our families to catch up. And so it was a confirmation that the Lord is already leading us to some people to, to undertake some new ministry. And so we're thankful for that. And then there was the inward reality of our hearts. All the things that the Lord has spoken to us. Um, I've got a, a desire in my heart, and as I've, I've been speaking to some, some other Christians, it's became evident that I, I desperately want to witness. And what an op- opportunity in Cairns. There are so many different nationalities that go into Cairns as tourists. What an opportunity to witness to different people there. For us to have a go at, at similar things of witnessing at schools through relationships that we could do there. It's on my heart to disciple people. I'm finding great joy. If I ever get the chance just to sit down and read a few scriptures with someone and encourage them in the Lord, that's bringing great joy. And I can see some doors opening up for discipling some people up there. Small group ministry is strong on our heart to to gather in some small groups and pray. And so it looks like the leading for us is, is heading towards some sort of a house, church, small group gatherings that we can just bless people with in the short term. Trusting that God will meet all our needs. Beck and I were both challenged and encouraged by Francis Chan's book that we read through, Letters to the Churches, and he's done that himself, left a mega church to go and plant some, some smaller churches and has now gone all the way overseas. But the Lord needs different churches of all sizes and people working in different ways. So there's a snippet of what the Lord's spoken to us and a picture of how he's opened doors and so I normally pray for you at the end of a message, but I would love for you to pray for me and for Beck as we finish up for what is ahead, because we want to be faithful to him. He's still teaching us, um, and there is something very exciting about having something so open. It's a new phase of life for us that I think it's going to lead us to pray so much more. It won't be any going through the motions. It'll be, Lord, what would you have us do this day? And our hope is that people will get saved, that we'll be able to to build some people up in the Lord and that something great happens. So, yes, um, there's a sadness in saying goodbye. and It feels more like we're starting to jump out of the Book of Acts all of a sudden in that there's, there's, there's people moving in different directions, but we just want to be faithful to the Lord. So, yeah. Um, I haven't organised anyone to pray for us, but, uh, yeah.